This is the Comp Effect Podcast. When you focus on workers' compensation, you'll have a safer work environment, more productive staff, lower expenses, and you'll crush your competition. We're sharing real-world stories, actionable tips, business-friendly advice, and information to help your business. I'm your host, Todd Tams. Enjoy the show. All righty, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Comp Effect. I have a awesome guest here today who I'm super pumped to introduce you all to, Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick. Uh, I met Lisa a few weeks ago on a webinar for the transitions. And after that webinar, we had a separate side conversation and we share a lot of passion about the same things and a lot of common interests. And our conversation has blossomed since then. And we thought we'd bring her back on the podcast to talk about what it is that her and her company does. So Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick is the owner at Excelable. And her primary focus is on injury and pain management in which she has about 25 years of experience. The cool thing about her company is she has a mobile and web-based educational content-based platform to that provides tools and resources nationwide to help businesses and injured workers with injury prevention and pain management. And what she's doing is super cool. And I thought we'd share that with you guys today on the podcast. And Lisa, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me. And wow, what an introduction. You're amazing that you remember all that. I get excited when people do cool things and I love to share cool things with the world. I'm not going to lie. Well, it's a pleasure to be on this podcast. And I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing, as you know. So thank you again for having me. Well, thank you. Workers' compensation, it all starts with a conversation and you got to start somewhere and you got to do something. And, you know, I've been doing these podcasts now for about three months, three, four months. The people I met like you have, that has been amazing. The information I've learned has been amazing. And the number of people that listen to this podcast and learn from it, I think is just going to make this country and the entire workers' compensation experience and all things ancillary to the workers' compensation experience better. I agree. It's it, To me, I find from the workers' comp perspective, it's a lot of education and having our professionals, other professionals know of the different um, uh, companies that are out there and our own personal experiences and what... Um, why we work with companies and the things that we can collectively do together. And what I've found in this space really since COVID is really branching out and reaching with a lot of people and collaborating with different companies so we can help really um, make a difference in injury prevention and injury reduction, specifically with corporations. So a lot of what what I've done, Lisa, is as you may know, is on the insurance side. So we sell workers' compensation to businesses. We talk about costs and claim management. And from what I understand, your company and where you bring value is after the claim, when you've got a severe ongoing injury that may affect an injured worker for an extended period of time. Yes. So we actually do it both ways. We do um, injury prevention before the claim occurs. And then um, after the injury occurs, we really assist with helping that claimant get back to work. And so kind of both levels. Okay. Um, on our platform side, if I uh, may explain, that's really more on the injury prevention. So that's where we have a lot of educational modules that deal with healthy living practices. So anything from how do I lift better, proper ergonomics with, especially with people working from their home, of how do they set up their office space? And we've partnered with a couple of vendors that actually provide office equipment and then provide stretching to, to minimize your injuries. And then we even take it a step further where we provide yoga classes and meditation classes and any type of training that an employer feels that their employee needs. And we can white label that back to the employer. On the back end, if an employee gets injured, we're really able to assist with the professionals and experts we have in place of not necessarily providing the direct PT services, but helping um, collaborating with their therapist or their medical team, and then really assisting with return to work, you know, evaluating whether or not they're able to return to work safely, 
and then providing tools and resources to help them with the stretching program, things that they can implement in the workforce um, or in the workplace to allow them to, to get back to work safely. So they're not having risk of further injury. Oh my, all right. You've got a lot of stuff going on here. Let's, let's, uh, I, I know I want to dive right in like you do. Let's back it up a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are and your background and what led you to start Excelable. Wonderful. So um, my, I'm an occupational therapist by degree. I have a, a doctorate or post-professional doctorate degree. So I took the long road of, um, it took me 16 years to get my doctorate because I started my business when I went back to school. <laughs> and um, I actually had the school call me back and say, if you don't finish the program, we're kicking you out. Um, and my focus has always really been in injury prevention and injury management. Um, I worked uh, right out of school um, in Fort Lauderdale and worked with the Florida Marlins as their hand therapist. So really working with a lot of orthopedic injuries. And from there, um, kind of morphed into starting my business, working in the disability insurance market um, and helping people with disabilities, focusing on workers' comp. We do a lot of work with the federal government, with the USPS employees. And um, during the same time, I got married, had kids. And right after my twins were born, um, I ended up with um, getting very sick. And I was essentially paralyzed from my waist down. Um, it was very scary. My girls were nine months at the time. And really, um, they're now seven. I would say from the ages of birth to five years, I was still working in my business, but I was very sick and suffering from an undiagnosed chronic illness that they could not figure out. Um, and I kind of had that victim mindset of why is this happening to me? How am I juggling my business and my life? and trying to focus on getting other people healthy when I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me myself. Um, it was very scary. And um, to be honest with you, they still haven't fully figured out a diagnosis. I have good and bad days, of course, but I've learned to really change my mindset and get out there and let people know that um, what I feel there, there's more that needs to be done on the medical side, especially people that have chronic illness and chronic pain, which we see a lot of in the workers' comp space. And we need to really look at this from a multimodal approach or a multidisciplinary approach in helping people with their pain management and helping them with the chronic issues. When we look at COVID and the things that have happened as a result of COVID with employees now working from home and just the stress of, am I going to get COVID? Or if I got COVID, am I going to get post-COVID syndrome? Um, am I going to get the vaccine? And if I get the vaccine, am I going to get sick? And when are we going to return to work? And how am I going to take care of my kids? And how am I going to perform my duties at home while my kids are in school? So all of these stressors have a huge impact on the human body. Mm -hmm. And we really wanna look at ways. So our program is designed to number one, yes, work with employers and help with injury prevention and injury reduction, but really working with employees and providing more of this comprehensive service to help you with your mindset, your, your ability to take care of your body, anywhere from stretching to nutrition, to strengthening, and it's not just, of course, me by any means doing this. We brought on, we have a panel of over 30 experts that specialize in their area of expertise and they share their knowledge in the platform. So that's what we feel is really exciting. That's super cool. If you see me turn away, that's because I'm trying to take notes on things that I want to follow up and ask you questions on later. Sure. Um, so one of the things I think the first time that I met you um, when you talk about chronic pain management, which you've experienced, um, I gathered that through your personal journey, people didn't really hear you, especially the medical community. That is hundred percent correct. I was very, um, almost lived two different lives. I lived my personal life with my family who knew I was sick. And there were days I struggled climbing my stairs and making the kids dinner and then there was my professional life where people would say, oh, you look like you're in such great shape. And to be honest with you, when I was seeing clients and they would tell me about their story, I wanted, and they would be crying in my office, I would want to cry with them and say, oh my gosh, I kind of know how you feel. And they would leave the office 
And it was so hard for me to sit in a chair because it was so painful. When they left, I had to lay down in my office until the next client came in. And so I would be laying down in tears. And then I had to be so composed by the time the next person walked in the door um, that by the time I got home, I was so stressed and I couldn't feel my feet or my arms and trying to type and had difficulty walking. Um, it was, it was really, really difficult. And now as I've come to terms with this is my life and I've really learned to embrace that today I'm, I'm not going to die, or at least I hope I'm not going to, um, when I go to pick up my kids or drive in the car, um, that when you change your, your mindset and you focus on, I have to embrace the moment. And life's about the journey, not the destination. And that's really my area of focus now. And from the medical perspective, I was not getting the proper treatment. People were telling me, oh, you're just stressed out and you're running your business and taking care of your kids. Well, of course I was stressed. I went from being a competitive triathlete and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro to I could not walk. And that was really stressful. Um, so, but nobody from the medical side, I, I wouldn't say nobody. It was actually my hematologist that finally said, oh my gosh, you're super stressed about all of this. <laughs> I was like, yes, I am. And I, and I just sat there and I cried for, I don't know, 30 or 45 minutes. And I would even go in and see my doctors and I would be, yeah, today's kind of a bad day. Um, I'm, you know, I'm having a hard time feeling my fingers and I'm having a hard time walking and, I'm not really sure what's going on. And then a couple months would pass by and I'd end up in the emergency room with an EKG on me, um, you know, testing and, and rash on my body and nobody could figure it out. Um, and we went to Mayo Clinic and all these different places. And if you can imagine, you're flying around the country, going to the best hospitals in the United States. And then I was running this business at the same time and nobody knew I was sick. So I would be in the hospital, working from the hospital room, talking with the corporation, and I'd be like, oh, I'm just on the road today. And I'm sitting there while they're having me hooked up to yeah. machines. So it, it, was a, it was a whole different uh, uh, lifestyle. Um, and so now I'm very open about it. I actually am writing a book, um, Can Someone Help Me? And it's about a medical professional's journey of, of really learning to be resilient in times of adversity. And it, it hasn't been easy. Um, and, you, and you still have good days and bad days. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not always this upbeat, happy-go-lucky person um, that there are days when I come home and you, if I push myself too hard, it, it's too much and I have to scale back. Well, I think what you have is what's on the sign behind you, which is grit. And, uh, I think there's a reason that's probably hanging on your wall. And I just listened to another podcast today where they were just talking about the grit and, uh, you know, that extra that you need to have to persevere. And I know that you certainly have that. What I kind of want to try and tie this back into work comp a little bit. Yours wasn't even a work comp claim. So you were still able to do some of the things that you loved while experiencing all that pain while trying to raise a family. And I can't. I would imagine that there's a much higher level of stress, um, doing all those things. Although it's probably a different level of stress. If you had a worker's compensation injury, you can't work. You can't pour yourself into the passion that, that consumes you every day for the thing that you want. Instead, you're waiting to hear back from claims adjusters, doctors, nurse practitioners, case managers. And meanwhile, you don't know if your company is going to hold your job for you much longer or not. Um, so, I mean, I take all of that. And I think the, the message that tell me if you think you if you don't dis, or if you disagree with this, I think the message is you were vocal, you were really vocal and you had the grit to be persistent about your situation and what was going on with you and kind of like just kept banging on the door till somebody heard you. I completely 100% agree with you. And I think what I struggle with really when I see a, a worker's cop client is I frequently hear you're the first person that's ever listened to me. And I get seen, it. You get it. It's a personal thing for you. You get it. You've been there. It's, but I'm seeing these clients three to five years, sometimes post-injury. And if I'm the first person to listen to them or hear their, their injury as medical professionals, we need to listen. 
to the patient and what they're telling us. And instead of saying, oh, you have pain or no, you don't, your pain doesn't match up with your diagnosis. That to me is infuriating because what we see in a diagnostic test does not mean that's what's happening in that person's life. And if you take somebody and my, my patients frequently tell me, it's not like I wanted to get injured. And that's how I feel like I'm being treated. I, I like, I forced myself to get injured and now I'm being treated like, like the scarlet letter, like just this horrible person. And the additional stress that places on my body is tremendous. And the patients come in and say, I just want to get better. I just want someone to treat me like a human being. And I want to have less stress in my life because the stress is so all encompassing and no one is recognizing the impact that that is putting on my body. If we could stop number one, an injury from happening. And I, I, I truly believe we have the ability to do that with proper education. Or if we have someone that has signs and symptoms of an injury and they immediately reach out and say, how can we stop that? And people are vocal about, well, my shoulder's hurting because every time I do this 300 times a day, it hurts my shoulder. Or when people get injured, if we can evaluate what they're doing to get them back to work safely, if we could do one of those three things, and I'm not just saying you have to do it through us. If we could do one of those three things, our injury, injury issues in workers' comp would decrease dramatically. Um, and we wouldn't see this tremendous amount of of angst and stress. And we need to be more proactive about as soon as there's a sign or symptom of an injury, let's stop it. Let's not think about this person is going to cost us more money because now they have an injury. Let's think about them as a human being and how do we treat them and how can we get them back as quickly and as safely as we can. And I can tell you when we do um, reasonable accommodation for injured workers, it's less than $500 to get them back to work safely um, versus all of a sudden now they're injured and they have this multitude of injuries and now they need surgery and therapy. And it's been going on for three to five years, a corporation spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in that case. Um, and I mean, you, you see it in, in the insurance side. It's, it's, it just requires, and maybe the employers and the insurance companies don't know the path to take. And that's why we want to be there to help. We want to say, here's the resources, here's what we can do to help to fix this injury. And it may not be the traditional, um, let's give you medication to, to decrease the pain. It may require a comprehensive approach. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head when there are so many different types of businesses from A to Z out there. Some very good injury prevention, uh, physicals before they, uh, before people start employment. So they know, they know the shape and condition that somebody's body's in before they ask them to do a job that may be repetitive in nature, things like that to businesses that, uh, they can hire people that can fog a mirror and throw them behind a machine that maybe they don't know how to operate because they are so far behind in production that when that claim happens, you know, now it's, it's like that person was disposable. And I mean, I, we've had claims just where something like situations like that have happened and it's so-and-so's fault for getting hurt. They knew what they were doing. Well, maybe now they're doing some things they shouldn't do outside of work. And in a small community, people see that and it gets, instead of how do we get this person better? It gets this person's milking the system. They're taking money away from me. They're causing me to pay more on insurance and those type of things. And well, there may be some of that in this world. I think it's probably less than 10%. I think most people, like you said, they didn't ask to get hurt. They just want to get better. Um, I, I don't have experience like you do in dealing with injured workers three to five years after a claim. And when they say you're the first person that, that has listened to me and understands me, that's a breakdown in the system and the mental angst and anxiety and stress that puts on a family. That's, that's what we're talking about here those long-term claims that injure a, injure a body significantly that have a long tail, all of the side effects that go along with that. And it's much more than mental it's stress, it's anxiety, it's family, it's work, it's income, it's kids. I mean, everything goes along in that. 
well, I think you hit the nail on the head there because when I first was practicing, I used to think, gosh, probably 50%. I think I even wrote an article of um, how to tell if a patient is a malinger. And I remember having a presentation about that. And I used to think, well, at least 50% of the patients are faking it. And I will tell you over the past, really dealing with my own personal experience as well, I would say now it's truly less than 5% of my patients have ulterior motives. Most of them, like you said, have it's accumulation of body systems. And if you take the impact stress has on your body, stress impacts your cardiovascular system, your musculoskeletal system, your immune system, your pulmonary system, your entire body. So if you take this injured worker and they're the primary provider for their family, and all of a sudden they get injured and ow, that hurts. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm now having a medical injury and immediately they're thrown into this workers comp system that's kind of broken and they're not getting the treatment that they need. Their stress level rises. And as their stress level rises, their blood pressure rises, their heart rate rises, they have increased release of hormones and cortisol level affecting their immune system, breaking down their immune system. So now they go and they get a, a diagnostic test that says, there's nothing showing up on your MRI. There's no reason you have pain. There's no correlation between the two because what's happening with the rest of your body system because of the result of the injury. Had we addressed that right out of the gate, right out of the gate, or even prevented that injury from happening. And we tap into that person's motivation and saying, what will it take for you to get back to work? How can we help you? And tell me what's going on truly going on. Yes, this is stressful. Let's recognize that. But how can we help from that mental health behavioral standpoint and address that right out of the gate? That person's more likely than not to go back to work and, and work and be happy quickly and get off that claim and have less chronic pain and less chronic illness and not be a drain on your, your insurance and not be stuck on that claim for, oh my gosh, one to five, six, seven years. How do you, you brought up a point that I think I, I want to know and businesses want to know, what do you do or how do you address the issue when the MRI or the, whatever test it is, does not show pain, but yet the injured worker says I'm having pain. When a great question, when you look at, we look at causation of injury and why injury occurs, and there is a structural injury that actually shows up on an MRI. It's usually due to a couple things, repetitive use or cumulative trauma over time or it's due to a traumatic event, one of the two. So a traumatic event, I get in a car accident, I smash into a tree. So uh, um, uh, our, our, our golf cart, Tiger Woods is a perfect example. He shattered his ankle, but I guarantee that there is soft tissue damage, other areas in his body that is going to impact his golf game. Um, they haven't really talked about his back, his multiple back surgeries that he's had. So the fact that he's had these multiple back surgeries, if we went in and probably looked at the soft tissue damage just around his back, I imagine he has back pain. So we have that traumatic car accident. And then we have this cumulative trauma where we see a lot of back pain, neck pain. But what happens in that cumulative trauma injury before that disc becomes herniated or before we have a bulging disc or nerve injury, you're having a change in the structural system of the muscles. So when someone comes in to see us and I see them like literally like this. So and you're sitting with neck, one shoulder up. Yeah. Yes, like one yeah, shoulder up, the, one shoulder okay. down, or they're rounded forward or their head is positioned forward. So now you're having a neuromuscular change, even though it might not be showing up on the MRI because I'm laying down in the MRI, the muscles themselves are completely imbalanced. And so now you go in and you functionally try to use those muscles, but the muscles on your left side are weaker than the muscles on your right side. Mm -hmm. That's going to cause that pain. And it might not show up on the MRI, but we can change that, that neuromuscular component with proper stretching, proper strengthening, and we can prevent it from occurring if we implement these programs right out of the gate. So if someone's doing a lot of lifting for their job, I want them doing a pre-lifting stretching sequence and implement that into the workplace so we can really start to what we call activate the muscles that are necessary for lifting. 
and get you in a proper posture and proper position to lift and, and train. When I work with um, some of the UPS employees, they tell me, and I'm showing them how to lift properly. And they're like, gosh, Lisa, I've never learned this. And now they're injured. And they said, well, we go through a really rushed, nothing against UPS, they're, they're a busy corporation, but we go through a really rushed program, but we're never properly tra- taught and retrained on how to lift properly. And so when they're lifting, they're pulling things out away from their body and they're getting injured. I don't want to call out UPS, but you would think for a company that moves packages and lifts packages daily, there'd be an, there'd be a, a video or something on how to lift, right? I'm sure they do. I, I'm sure they do. But it's it's also, I was listening to a podcast, is how do you get employees to stay engaged in the learning process? So I think there needs to be onus on the employee. I, I would guarantee UPS would have some type of lifting program. But is the employee actually listening and watching and learning from the program? That's, I think, the, the difference there. And how do we keep our employees engaged Mm-hmm. So we know that they can also take some responsibility. And, and I'm all about that, that yes, the employee has to take some responsibility for their action. If it's the result of the employer has been training you and you still get injured for doing something stupid, um, <laughs> let's, let's get you better. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a um, catch 22 there. And I do feel empl- for employers in that regard. Um, and there is that science behind how do we keep that? And that's why we, we implemented this app is really trying to keep these employees engaged in the learning process and not just uh, throw a video up there the first time they're hired. I want to talk a little bit about your, uh, your app here in just a second. Um, it's funny. We talk about UPS and I, I didn't even think about this till right now, but the other day I'm sitting inside my house. We have a glass window door and I watched the UPS driver pull up and we'd ordered some, I don't know, weird cat litter box type thing. Right. I mean, so it comes in this, like, you know, if you're seeing me, it's in the weirdest shape package. It's not heavy, but it's like awkward. Right. And our driver, like we, uh, it was a split level. And so we have probably 15 stairs up and the dog cord is all over the stairs. And this guy like two by two scales up, it puts it down, hits the ring doorbell and walks off. And I'm thinking right now, if that's not a disaster for a potential claim, I don't know what is because not only is he hopping stairs, but we've got trip hazards the entire way down for him. Yeah. How do you recognize that? Um, anyway, that's what happens. (laughs) Like, yeah, all it would have taken was one wrong step or a trip up on that cord. And it would have been really bad. Mm-hmm. Really bad. Um, so that brings me back to one of my questions here. When we talk about pain, we talk about chronic pain, manage, chronic pain management. I think one of the things that you're really passionate about is not always using drugs to manage chronic pain. And I, there's a whole movement lately for putting natural things into your body, looking for alternative medicines. Not everybody wants to take a bunch of drugs to make themselves make their pain feel better but maybe they're fuzzy in the brain or whatever. And can you talk a little bit before we get into your app on how your company takes a look at that and what you guys do? Well, let's figure out the root cause of the problem. To me, a pain medication, whether it's an Advil or Tramadol is a Band-Aid. And if we don't fix the root cause of the problem, then that problem is going to come back. So if I have a chronic pain issue, and let's say it's my back, that's injured, I want to look at that back from a biomechanical perspective and find out why is why why does that person have back pain? But maybe the back pain is also the result of a behavioral component that's not even being addressed that can that can be pushed through by chronic pain or PTSD, or mm-hmm. I was in a car accident at work and now I have pain everywhere in my body because I have so much, my sympathetic nervous system is stuck in fight or flight. So there's many areas that we have to address in in that component. We can't just say, um, let's give them physical therapy and pain medication. Yes, there is a place for that. Yes, you you have an acute injury. I think to help bring pain down, pain pain pills are important. I think when it gets at that 12-week standpoint and we have chronic pain, we better be implementing a multidisciplinary, multimodal approach. Because if we're just choosing pain management and injections and physical therapy and doing stretches, that person's stuck. And we've got to get- that happens a lot? 
it, I, that's to me the course of treatment. When I was writing my book uh, and nothing against Cleveland Clinic, I went on to look at their chronic pain management program. The very first page is all about the drugs that can be given for pain management. When you get to, I think the second page or the bottom of the first page, and I wrote this in my book, it talks about, oh, by the way, you can also do yoga, meditation and massage therapy. And to me, it's backwards that when we have someone that's, and they look at chronic pain, really and the, the research varies, eight weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks post-injury. When we look at chronic pain, chronic pain is a disease. And if it's not properly treated, multidisciplinary and looking at behavior, that person in the workers' comp system will be stuck. Mm -hmm. And it's a $635 billion problem in the industry, $635 billion for chronic pain. So in the course of your lifetime, anybody that's listening to this, you have an 85% chance of getting a back injury, anybody. So if you haven't, and you're 95 years old, great for you, but there's an 85% chance you're going to have a back injury in your lifetime. We want to prevent it from becoming a chronic problem. And to do that, it's educate, educate, understanding your body. I, I was just talking on a podcast today and we read, um, uh, and I was speaking with it. her name is Summer and Summer said, we read the manual on how to control our iPhone from, from beginning to end, but we don't have a manual on understanding our body. And how do we know what's going on in our body and how do we advocate for ourselves as an injured worker, as an injured person, as a sick person and saying, this is what I feel. And now I'm going to have the proper resources and people to reach out to. What you're saying is you're not a passenger in your own care. Have a little okay. grit speak up. And if you don't want to take drugs anymore on at 12 weeks, say something. And you could also say the same thing to businesses. If you've got a person out there who has been on leave for 12 weeks and is not coming back because they're still having ongoing chronic pain management, maybe somebody at your company could talk with them about alternative therapy that may be better suited for their specific situation. Just bring it up, have the conversation, right? It may fall on deaf ears, but at least you brought up the conversation. Yeah, I can't begin when I was dealing with my own illness. The first question I would get from a physician is, What medications are you on? And I would say, None. And they would say, Well, what is your pain level today? And I and I would say, Well, I don't have pain. I can't feel my arms and I can't feel my legs and I can't use them. Um, and they're like, Well, is that painful? I'm like, Well, it's yeah, it's on a scale of one to ten, it's like an eight. <laughs> it's ridiculously painful. And then they would say, Well, why aren't you taking medication for it? And I said, because I don't want to take medication. I want us to fix the problem. That's what I want. And so they would give me gabapentin. And I, I mean, I can't tell you the a multitude of drugs. I was, I was like a, this test case and, but nothing worked in reality. What worked for me was doing alternative therapy, doing yoga, doing meditation, learning to calm my body down and bring my blood pressure down and learning how to breathe. And learning to get into a mindset of I'm okay with not being okay. Um, and that was hard. Um, and it was tapping. I mean, I learned, I was one of the lucky ones. I've learned to, I, I have to tap into my level of motivation and what motivates me. And that's what I feel is the differentiator with a lot of these chronic pain clients is that behavioral component is not being addressed oh. and tapping into that person of what is your goal? What makes you tick and how can we get you better? And when we find that, and we do find that with clients, they do get better and they do get off the system. Remember, these people don't want to be sick. They don't want to be hurt. They're not sitting at home watching Jerry Springer reruns. <laughs> they're not doing it. They're, they're crying and they're in pain. And even if it doesn't show up on a diagnostic test, it doesn't mean they're not hurt. Uh I'll share this with you, but, uh, my wife, Emily used to have severe migraines and toward the end of her migraine ending or finale, we had to keep a diary of her pain management and 21, 22, 23 out of 30 days would be a migraine at a level five or above. And she had learned uh, probably like you to live with the pain and she'd put a smile on her face and she would go out into the world and she would do her things and she would come home at night. And it would be a much different Emily than the Emily that the world saw. 
And we finally ended up at the Mayo Clinic and the solution for them was Botox shots all around her head and the back of her neck or whatever to numb the migraine pain. And so for half a year, a year, I mean, she couldn't smile because her forehead wouldn't move. It'd just be stuck like rock solid. And we started, she started looking for alternative therapy care, like what you mentioned. And I'm listeners out there. I'm a believer. Not everything needs to be solved with a drug. There's a lot of different ways to handle chronic pain. And in our search to help her fix the underlying pain problem, which you mentioned earlier, we found a book, uh, I believe it was called the migraine miracle by a doctor. Um, I want to say he's from Florida and he was successfully giving himself migraines and curing them constantly. And this blew our mind because we had never heard this from the medical community ever. It was drugs. It was the Toradol or whatever it is that she was taking. And I'm not a good one with drugs. I couldn't tell you. Um, she made a conscious decision. We're no longer going to get Botox. And I was a little worried because I saw what her lifestyle was like before the, the end finale, which was the Botox treatment. And it turns out all we had to do was change diet. The cereal that we used to eat would fire up a migraine. The sugar of the diet Coke that she used to drink would fire up a migraine. And we learned ways to deal with a migraine such as feed it or don't feed it and starve it and work out when you get the migraine. It's been years since she has had a migraine and we control it all through diet. Yeah, one of our experts is a nutritionist and um, on our platform. And that's specifically what she focuses on is gut inflammation and the microbiome in your gut and how that impacts your ability to function. Her name is Llewellyn Ferreira. And she did the same for me. I was doing, I was eating the wrong thing at breakfast. I was eating yogurt and granola. And I tell the story all the time, yogurt, granola, and fruit. And I thought it's, I'm healthy. It's almond milk, yogurt, and it was great. And I talked to her and I said, I was still getting headaches and still kind of feeling crummy. And she said, what are you eating for breakfast? And I told her, and she said, there's so much sugar in that. <laughs> so much sugar. And not, nothing against the granola companies and the yogurt. And she said, all I want you to do is switch your granola and switch your switch to oatmeal and switch your granola to nuts. And I made that one change and it's made a complete difference in how I feel. And it was just like you said, changing your breakfast. And for me, if again, you know, what's the exact science behind it. But I think when we deal with these chronic pain patients, mm -hmm. it's talking to them about their entire body system and how they function. I had one guy I saw last week and he said, I don't understand why I can't lose weight. And I said, tell me what you're eating for breakfast. And he said, well, I go every day to McDonald's and I eat their egg white sandwich. And I said, well, why can't you make it at home and make it healthier? And he said, well, I don't understand why it's not healthy at McDonald's. And I said, well, I'm, you know, again, McDonald's, I don't know how you cook your egg white sandwich, but I'm assuming you probably put a butter on it and stick it on the griddle. And, you know, the egg might be kind of processed more than the other eggs you use. I, I'm not sure, but I'm assuming the one you make at home might be a, a little bit healthier. And, you know, just making that small change. And he called me this morning and he said, I've been doing it for two days and cooking my own breakfast and I feel better. Um, and so again, it's these little, little tiny changes that can impact somebody's quality of life. Um, you know, we, we look at obesity and, you know, to why when people have it, I see this with my USPS workers, they're the carriers and they get injured carrying 35 pounds on their body, which is ridiculous to begin with and the satchel. So they're all kind of like this. I'm like, use a push cart, number one. But they come in and now they've been injured for three years and they've gained 35 pounds because they went from walking 19,000 steps to zero. And they're, you know, I'm in pain all the time. Well, you've just put on 35 pounds in two years or three years. So it's, it's more than just a simple, let's give you a drug to make that make you feel better. It's, it's a band-aid approach. I feel. I feel like this is a perfect segue into what your company does. And I want to do a little preface here. I mean, so if you're a business that wants to engage your workers at a basic level, and we've just talked about gaining 35 pounds, we've talked about migraines, we've talked about your gut health, all of those things affect each of us or, you know, our lives, my life, your life on an individual level. And a couple little tweaks 
has had a better outcome. And this has nothing to do with workers' compensation, right? You're just a happier, healthier person just from a few lifestyle changes. And I think if you're a business and you really care about your employees or your workers or the team of people that you get to surround yourself with every single day, what Excelable does on the front end with injury prevention and their resources, and I'll let you talk about it, Lisa, but this is a great way to start taking care of your employees at the beginning and also maybe toward the end of a claim if it's a bad claim. Like you cover the whole gamut. Exactly. It makes me excited. I, I want to hear more about what you do. I want, I want to tell other people about what you do because when we last talked about it, I think it's really super cool. I think the team of people you surrounded yourself with was awesome. And the fact that you can bring like yoga into a company on a phone level in the morning when they're not even at work, I think is pretty cool. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but let's roll. Well, we, we really did this after, um, right when COVID started, um, you know, it was all in-person um, uh, training and everything that we were doing. And post-COVID, we immediately jumped on the bandwagon like everyone else did and said, how do we do it virtual? I feel we do it a little bit differently because through our contacts, I just reached out to not, and I don't want to say it's me. Our entire team has been amazing. And we have an entire team of experts. Um, our yoga instructor taught at the White House. Our nutrition expert played soccer with Mia Hamm. Um, we have personal trainers that have worked with Hollywood actors to, you know, just your, your run at the mill. We have people that specialize in multiple sclerosis. We have a physical therapist that specializes on how to improve your golf swing. And that's all he does for a living. And he's one of our instructors on our platform. So it really is a combination of experts sharing their knowledge. And for less than a dollar per employee per month, you have access to almost 250 hours of educational material. But if you want to work with, I want to work with that golf expert, or we want to do one-on-one -on -one yoga, we have the ability to offer that through our platform as well at an additional cost. So any of our experts who are top experts in the country promoting their programs through Excelable, they have to offer at a discounted rate to Excelable members. So if I want to work with Llewellyn Ferreira on her Nutrition Elevate program, which encompasses whole body wellness, it's at a significant discount of what it would be if I bought it off the street. And any of your employees have access to that same price. In addition, we've teamed up with some great partners. So we have Walker Tracker. If you don't have a full wellness program that does activity challenges, Walker Tracker, Tracker um, provides that where they um, uh, implement with any tracking device and, and will be able to measure your challenges and have challenges for you and measure your activity level. We have another company called Pacific Ergo that provides all of your ergonomic equipment needs. Anything you need for your home office, your regular office, your lab, your whatever you need. That's a chair, a desk, anything. And it's all at discounted pricing. We've teamed up um, with a company that helps with your HR. Um, it's called Augmented HR Solutions, and they help with ADA um, compliance. Um, we've teamed up with Healbright or in the process of doing that with their mental health component and we'll be having their platform and their educational material on our app. We have teamed up with a company called Fit Fighter and the owner of the company was on um, Shark Tank and she received or, or got her award or received um, uh, money from the Kind Company, the Kind Bar Company. And they're one of our partners and they provide an ergonomic strengthening device. And it's amazing. And she has a whole program. So we're, we're telling employers, you don't have to find the experts. We have them. We can tell you, you tell us what you need and we will tell you, this is the program that we can set up for you. So it's tailored to your needs as far as the employer perspective. If you want your employees to know how to make tacos and you want to film that, we can put that on the platform. So, so it <laughs> basically that. tailored yeah, to your needs of what you need. But our focus is really, again, on, on health and wellness. And we, again, have amazing experts. Um, it's, it's, I'm the owner of the company, but it is not me who, who's, who's going out and selling all of this education. Our experts are amazing. I've used them personally, They've, and that's why they've been brought on board because they helped me get better. Our yoga instructor, nutrition, I, I can't say enough about them. They're all amazing. 
And that is our differentiator. We're not here to say, you're just gonna watch these videos and it's gonna make you perfect. We're gonna go into your corporation and say, let's look at your injuries. Let's see where they, where they are, how we can help reduce your injuries. And this is the program we're gonna tailor for you, for your employees. Or if you're an employee and you just wanna feel better, you can use our app as well. Um, so, and again, less than a dollar per employee per month, which is pretty affordable. I think that's pretty cheap personally. I think that's pretty cheap to have access to you, those experts and 250 courses that people can take. And once again, if, if you're trying to attract employees, like it's the great separator, right? You can offer a package that says, here's your W2H, here's your health benefits. Uh, here's your dental vision. By the way, we have all these other things that we might interest you in. And that, you know, we start talking about treat work comp as a benefit because it is talk about what happened, what is going to happen if an employee is injured and how you're going to handle that. Talk a little bit about the health and wellness program that you have and courses like this. If you buy those on the holistic approach that your company takes to your workers, happiness and their health. And I think that's going to be the future. I think the days of, of, you know, work grinded out for a company that doesn't care is going away. I think people want to have meaningful work. They want to enjoy what they want to do. They want to rally around a cause and they want to be treated well for the work that they perform. And all of these value adds will make not only the company stronger, but also create a happier employee workforce. I'm off my soapbox now. Yeah. Well, it creates a culture of wellness and it shows that the employer cares about their employees. I think that that's, what's important. And essentially, you know, from the employer perspective, I mean, I, I am an employer myself. So you want to look at, I want to keep my insurance premiums at, at reduced. I don't want to have an injury. I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking about safety in the workplace. And so those are the things that I think are really important and where you need to bring on a team of people, even like you, Todd, and what you're doing of, uh, you know, how can we help you? What's going to be the best package we can provide for your premiums and looking at where are the injuries occurring? How can we reduce your, your premiums classification codes? I mean, you and I could do a whole nother podcast on we that, could. which I hope we do. Cause this but, even prevents work comp claims, what you're saying. I mean, if I'm going to buy this for my company, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, to, cause, cause to your, back to your point, the, the 12 people that we have on staff are from diff, all different walks of life. Some might like nutrition. Some might like to work out. Some are, you know, uh, mothers at home, like they, they don't have enough hours in their day and maybe they want some meditation or some yoga at night. I mean, this hits the people in the different areas that they're focused on or that they're passionate about in their life. And it's one platform that does so much, which is why I really like it. Well, thank you. And, and I, I hope you do. I'll give you a great discount. Perfect. I'm going to roll it out to my team. I think it's going to be awesome. Well, and back to your point, if you're having, ugh, I sit at work all day long, my back is tight. Hey, how about this? How about I go on the app? We learn how to do some proper stretching and maybe we prevent that back injury from ever happening. Right. Those or, type of things. Or especially in the construction industry where they're doing a lot of lifting. And when we got our new TV from Best Buy and I was watching um, my husband hang the TV. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, is this how they do it? Like, is this really how they're lifting the TV on the wall? Because it's so unsafe. And when we went, we decided to get a bigger TV because the one apparently we had was not big enough for my husband to watch his sports. So when we took it back and I watched the guy from Best Buy, just like unergonomically correct, lifted up. And I thought, holy crap, I, if he gets injured because he's lifting my TV, I, I would, I could never live with myself. So I, I think it's a lot of um, teaching the employee, the manual of their body, like how do you, what muscles do you activate when you lift, when you move, when you twist, when you turn, when you reach? And then if you're doing something that's not ergonomically correct, how, how can we change that? Like, like for me, um, if anybody's listening from the USPS, I would love, I understand they have to wear a satchel, but let's try to implement more push carts um, and get things off their body. You know, if you add an additional 35 pounds to your body and you're walking 20,000 steps a day, you're going to get injured at some point. Your body's not made to work this way. It's not. So we need to change the process. And, it, and I can tell you, when we go in and do ergonomic evaluations for clients, a lot of times it's just changing the process of how things are done. It's not a cost. 
I'm not going in there and saying, well, you got to purchase $100,000 worth of equipment. Let's change the process. And there's an article, Jeff Bezos um, talked about this from Amazon, and he's implementing some interesting AI, and it talks about changing job processes for his employees. So you have the person working in the factory and basically they're, they're doing job switches. So now they're, instead of staying at that same job for 35 minutes or, or for, for five, six hours out of the day, they might be staying at that job for 35 minutes. And everyone's like, this is amazing that what Jeff Bezos is doing, that's what we do when we go in and do an ergonomic evaluation, like change the process, change how you're having your workers work. And let's look at how we can keep those injuries less. I love it. What else do you want to talk about today, Lisa? Oh gosh. I mean, to me, it's the, the biggest thing is just what's the return on investment. I ask, I get that asked frequently. If we can talk about that very, very briefly, what's my return on investment as the employer and what's this going to cost me on my bottom line? Where am I going to see my return on investment? And you and I talk about this all the time. Um, You know, the, the, what's the insurance company going to do for me if I implement this? Well, I would love if the insurance company would provide you a premium incentive for implementing this type of program. But if they don't, you need to look at what an injury will cost you. And, you know, your, your typical injury, we look at direct cost and indirect cost to an employer. So your direct cost or your medical cost, and if you're self-insured, you may be assuming some of those direct medical costs, but your indirect costs are loss of productivity, your premiums going up, are typically seven times your direct cost. So if an injury is $40,000, your direct costs are going to be seven times that amount. And so your return on investment, can we guarantee you will never get an injury? No, but hopefully when someone goes on claim, let's get them back to work quickly or let's prevent the injury from ever occurring. And if you have high injury rates, then it is so important to get us in there, you and, and, and so we can look at your premiums, look at how we can really work collectively together to bring down your insurance premiums and then implement a wellness culture. So your return on investment has to be more about money and you really have to look at it from a wellness perspective too. Agreed. You know, I think you and I have talked about return on investment before, and I can show you what a claim is going to cost. It's pretty easy for me to show you what a claim doesn't cost. Um, what if you prevent that claim? What if you don't have that claim? I mean, those are the, we can show what that, what that direct saving is on workers' compensation premium. Um, I can't show you what the indirect costs are. I mean, you have to value that yourself, but if you're an insurance agent listening to this or a business, this is what, these are the things that they're not on an application when we submit for an insurance quote, they don't ask us about these things. They ask, is there a written safety program? Is there more than five people in a car? Are they using subcontractors, stuff like that, right? Imagine marketing a submission to a carrier and saying, hey, I wanna tell you a little bit about ABC company and how they treat their employees. I know here's their, here's their payroll and here's their class codes and here's their experience mod, which is all insurance talk. But I also wanna talk about Here's their return to work program. Here's it's written. Here's their health and wellness program. Here's their participation rate. Here's their turnover the last couple of years. And all of those things should lend to a receptive underwriter, additional credits and premium discounts, because you're seeing a company that is best in class, not average or worst in class. And those best in class companies typically produce the most profit for an insurance company. And so insurance companies should be crediting those as much as possible to get them on the books because the long-term success of that client within that carrier, they're going to produce a lot more profit for that insurance company than somebody who's not doing any of those things who just takes a haphazard shotgun approach to safety. Do you feel that sometimes with employers, they don't understand the, the whole premium process and don't understand that these value add can actually help provide credits to the employer. I would hundred percent agree with that, especially in the smaller market segment. I think when you get to large accounts, um, with, with, um, I mean, you know, pick a half million dollar premium or quarter million dollar premium or above, usually they're pretty savvy buyers. They get called on all the time. 
Um, usually the people calling on them will have some type of risk management department. And we see that we see the large companies out there when they go quote these half million dollars accounts throw out, we have risk management. Well, that risk management guy does everything from hotels to construction, to manufacturing, to you name it. And you might get four or six hours with that guy. If you're lucky one time a year, I would not put my entire risk management program in the hands of the, my broker's one day risk management department. Can they be good? Can they be helpful? Absolutely. But I think that if I'm that level of buyer and I'm at that sophistication, I need more than a six hour class or a six hour look at once a year, I need a more formalized program. So to your point, do buyers understand this process? Probably not so much at the smaller level because agents don't talk about it. Buyers don't really care. And sometimes people feel helpless when it comes to their insurance premium. If it goes down, they're happy. Well, what if it could go down a lot more? Um, and those are the accounts right now that are ripe for agents to go in there and talk about some of the things we've been talking about in this podcast, because they're underserved. Uh, they're probably overcharged and they could probably use the most help. And with those type of like resources, like what you have, I mean, if they're paying less for insurance, they can reinvest that back into their company. They can use it to pay for health insurance. They you can use it to buy wellness programs. They can use it for investment in equipment or growing their business. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity, I would say, in the sub $250,000 premium market. Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, too, with engagement. Employee engagement and behavior change doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen in a six-hour program or having them watch the video when they are just hired on as an employee um, and, and teaching them whatever they need to learn about the company. I'll tell you, most of the times when I watched um, anything from HR that came through, you're doing multiple things at the same time. You're not thinking about what's on the video. But if you can keep your employee engaged in their own health and wellness and tap into what's important to them. So maybe not everybody wants to do yoga, but maybe some people want to do yoga. Maybe other people want to do HIIT workouts. Maybe other people want to stretch. Other people want to learn how to just eat better. So it's tailoring to your employees on their, their wellness culture and seeing what's important to them. It's listening from the employer standpoint, from the healthcare worker and listening to the person that is working for you or you know that, that ends up getting injured. I feel like just overall, I, I was not a good listener as a healthcare practitioner right out of the gate. I, I like to put my own values and thoughts onto people and what I think they should do. And since getting sick, I listen a lot more and finding out how can, what is important to that person and what do they need to get better? Not what do I want, what do I think they need to get better? It's what do they think they need to get better? And then how can we collectively work together to make that happen? That I feel is the key. And even if somebody isn't injured, if you want to keep them injury free, let's talk to them about what is important to them as the employee. It's not always money. It's not always giving them a raise. Maybe they want something else. And that's what we need to get to the bottom of, I feel. Um, and, and, you know, especially with COVID, I think a lot of employees are afraid of going back to work now. They, they're afraid of being in a community of people where it can be, you know, we really don't know with these variants or they're afraid of what happens if my kid's school closes down for two weeks because somebody has COVID in their classroom. And how am I going to take care of my kids? So I think just that stress around everything, we have to address that in, in today's um, in culture at work. We have to address stress and stress management, or we're going to have a lot of injuries down the road. You're really talking about treat, taking health and wellness and treating that as though it's a team member rather than an expense on the PL, put it in as a full-time position and let that person help educate your team. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you don't have those resources, we're here to help you. We're here you to go. provide those resources for you. Cause I, I know I can't do it myself. And if you have a wellness program, we're not here to be your stop smoking cessation. You're, you know, kind of the, we integrate with your existing wellness program. I want to make that clear. It's, it's a whole different, it's an education platform. It's to help your employees learn and stay engaged and stay involved 
and hold themselves accountable for their health and wellness. So Lisa, they can find out more about your company at www.excelable.com. That's correct. And that's X-C-L-A-B-L-E.com. X-C-E-L. Is that what I said? I don't know. Maybe you did. Uh, maybe not. That's, let's say it again. X-C-E-L-A-B-L-E.com. And we'll also post that in our link. My apologies <laughs> if I forgot the E. It's been a long day, folks. <laughs> yeah, it has. We need our own stress management today. Go do some yoga. We do. Um, Lisa, I've got a few questions I want to ask uh, before we wrap up here today, if you got time. Yes, absolutely. What uh, What are you reading right now? Oh my gosh. I'm always... Uh, Let's see, I'm reading a really um, junk book um, right at the moment, but I would say that the the book that I'm most enjoying reading right now, I'm in the middle of three Adam Grant books. I know that sounds crazy, but I can read that way. So, and um, Sheryl Sandberg. So I'm reading um, Sheryl Sandberg's Option B, um, which is a really sad story about, uh, not sad, it's, an, it's supposed to be an inspirational, but her husband who passed away in Mexico um, and then how she had to deal with adversity and resilience. And then Adam Grant's, um, resilience or originals. Um, I'm reading that one Okay. and, um, his, uh, I have the other one right here. Think and, uh, what is it? Give and take. Um, I just finished that one. And then his last one, um, I just started and I can't remember the name of it. You're so. reading a lot more than me right now. I feel a little behind. So I read, um, shoe dog this was a few months ago and, or maybe listening to a podcast, but it said that when he, I think it was shoe dog, when he was meeting with CEOs that they read like at least a book a week. And so that's been my goal is to read a book a week. Um, my other book is called 28 summers by Elon's Homer brand or something. I'm slaughtering her name but it's a trashy novel. So I'm like, I don't know if that's helping my business or not. You know, but, to your point, I think it does. Cause I, I like to read and I like to read books that, you know, are agency or business culture, but at some point, like, I just need to like, for me, just yeah. whatever it is for me, whether it's a mystery novel or science fiction or whatever it is, like has nothing to do with anything in my life other than I need it for pure entertainment value for mental health. Right. Well, I highly recommend Adam Grant. He is an amazing um, human being. And if he's listening to this podcast, I want to talk with him because it's just his thought process is um, undeniably, uh, I, I, I just want to talk to him and listen to him. And it's amazing. Anybody should pick up his books and read his books. They're not just for business professionals. It's very inspirational about life. And the book originals, if you haven't had the chance to read it, is um, very thought-provoking, very uh, interesting. I will check it out. Adam, if you're listening, Lisa really wants to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Promise I won't stalk you. <laughs> oh, all right. What uh, I know it's COVID right now, but what are you spending more money on than you should? My kids. Your kids? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one fun thing that we did though, yesterday, we did what's called the yes day. Have you heard about that? Yes. Where you say yes to whatever your kids want to do all day long. Yeah. So I spent a lot of money on my kids yesterday. <laughs> Mommy, can we go to McDonald's? Yes. <laughs> can we get candy? Yes. Can we get Legos? So our next yes day is we're not allowed to go out. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. It was our first yes day experience. And, um, but we, in order to do yes day, we had to do no technology the entire day. And even mom and dad couldn't do technology. So I couldn't use my phone. My husband couldn't use his phone. The kids couldn't use the iPad, no TV, no radio for the entire day. It was awesome. It really was. But did it start off kind of slow and then get better as the day progressed? We always start our day with a workout, a family workout on the weekends. So now our days don't start out slow. The kids run like four to five miles a day. So. I like that. Uh, my, we did family gifts from each of us where we could not spend any money. We just had to give something. And my gift was a yes day. And I don't, I think we put like a dollar limit on it because it's not supposed to be about the money. Um, yeah. But we did secret Santas for our family. And my middle daughter gets a yes day with me of whatever she wants to do. And I, this one, there's a dollar limit. So I don't know if it'll be museum or just spending time together or what it is, but 
she gets to pick. Oh, I love that. I'll, so, I'll tell you as from a, a parent perspective, I'm not touting I'm a great parent by any means, but it was one of the best days we've had in a very long time. And you can do it without going to Target and buying Legos by any means, yeah. but, um, and you don't have to go to McDonald's and buy McDonald's either, but just the, um, we did a puzzle, we did art, we um, built this thing out of a box. It was a coin toss thing. I, I, I don't know. And the kids had a blast. Like it was the stuff I remember as a kid doing. Yep. And um, we had a, a great time. And uh, for breakfast, we made pancakes with jelly beans and chocolate chips. And I had to eat them too. And I had my hair in ponytails and bows. So I pretended I was a kid. I just, I think I know what class 251 is going to be on your, your, uh, your app. <laughs> chocolate, nutrition, pancakes with chocolate chips and jelly beans. Yeah, Follow me for not. more recipes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All right. And then we'll wrap up here again. The last thing you get to talk, leave a, leave our listeners with any message you would like them to hear from you today. Um, I, I think it's for this time, it's just understanding resilience. I've taught my kids how to spell resilience and understanding that with COVID and just learning to be more resilient, especially in these times of adversity and knowing that if you don't, if, if, if you don't understand resilience and learning, it's okay to not be okay. Um, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on your body. Um, and knowing that you're going to have adverse situations in your life and trying to say, um, get away from the, why does this always happen to me to what am I going to learn from this situation and how can I be more resilient? So our kids spell resilience. If, if you ask, and I have two seven-year-olds and a 10-year-old, and they may not know how to spell three, but they know how to spell resilience. And we taught them it's R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-C-E. My singing is not very good, but any of my kids, if you ask them how to spell resilience, they know how to spell it and they know what it means. So. I love that. Take away for today. I love that. All right, Lisa, thanks for stopping by. Everybody, thanks for listening. Until next time, make it a great day. Thank you.